are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. 1 Peter chapter 5 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, if you will. A few minutes, I'm going to read a few verses. Uh, I want to say again, I appreciate this invitation to be here last night or before I came to the service. I was praying and I knelt in my room and I just couldn't believe that I was here in California and uh, be on a platform with Dr. Tom Malone. Dr. Tom Malone preached sword conferences in our area 40-some years ago. And as a young preacher boy, I've been trying to preach. I was just figuring, I guess this is my 43rd year in September. Uh, 43 years ago, I surrendered a call to preach. I was saved at 17, and God called me to preach at 19. And uh, so I, I, I used to hear Dr. Malone, what a blessing he is. He's the same as he was then, and a great man of God. And I, I just count it honor. And then the pastor of this church is one of my dear friends. We'll have him, Lord willing, many more times in our pulpit. I, I really just met Brother Jack, and then Steve uh, said something. I don't know where I'd ever heard it preach or not. I don't remember uh, about him coming to our conference, our youth conference. And, and uh, I'm kind of an oddball, I guess. I said, Steve, I like that fellow. I just like that fellow. I said, I like his attitude. Uh, I like his humility. Uh, he, he's given God the glory for everything, and I like that. We had a tremendous conference when Dr. Trever was there, and we'll be having him back. I, in fact, I have been thinking, I don't know how long I can get him, I've been thinking of trying to get him in a, in a revival meeting. Now, in North Carolina, used to, if you had a meeting less than two weeks, he was backslid. You know, that's right. Uh, we used to have old-fashioned, they'd say, we'll just start them and let the Holy Ghost close it. That's what the used to preachers used to say to old mountain preachers. We don't have them anymore like that. Maybe we should get back to it. But uh, I, I love you, Pastor, and I don't think I have ever been anywhere where I have been treated maybe as nice as I have here. I know no nicer, but as nice as I have this place. Uh, you folks have been so good to me. Uh, you hung my picture over here with these dead preachers here a few years ago. <laughs> And it's right spooky when you go through there. But uh, I was just kidding you, but I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Last night I was talking to Doc Malone. I said, Doc, it's kind of spooky going through here now. Anyway, we get into the live preachers in a few minutes. But uh, you have some great, great men of God's uh, pictures over there. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about him, Dr. Seitler, and uh, so many men. We had Dr. Seitler in our sword conference uh, last uh, this past, last month, last month, what a preaching man! And uh, Doc, uh, they had to lead him up on the platform. He's so feeble, and he lead him off the platform. And he made a statement I never had really, really thought about it. You know, before you know, people talk about retiring and retiring. Doctor uh, Seitler's health is real bad. He's seventy-nine, I believe now, not old, but his health is bad. But uh, there's no stopping in him. And uh, he made a statement when he was preaching. He said, uh, 
Folks ask me, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? You know, most people live to retire. You ever notice that? We got guys in our church, 30 years old, talking about what, when they're going to retire. When they're going to retire. Most of them will die before they retire, but they talk about it. But Doc Seitler said uh, this, Brother Jack. He said, I, they asked me when I'm going to retire, when I'm going to retire. And he said, I've hunted my Bible over, and I can't find that word. But old Doc says, and I read, though, where he died, where he died, where he died. <laughs> and he said, that's what I'm intending to do, to keep on going until I get to disable, and the Lord takes me home. And so I appreciate me. And we had a great sword conference. And I want to commend Dr. Kreber for the meetings he's having here, the different conferences. Uh, back a few years ago, Dr. Robertson said to me, said, uh, now, Brother Bobby said, have all the conferences you can. He said, uh, we all preachers need help. And God's give you the facilities to have them. And just feel free to have conferences. Well, I don't go out and ask for conferences. But uh, we do have the National Sword have for the last two years. We've had a sword conference for many, many years, but not the National Sword Conference. And this past uh, August, uh, we had uh, both years been great. We've had the last two years. But uh, we closed out on, on a Friday night. Uh, Dr. Howe spoke. I, you know, I don't, I don't like to overestimate crowds, but I'm sure there was more than 2,500 on Friday night. And uh, Dr. Howe got through preaching, and Dr. Curtis Hudson just took over the service. He didn't even talk about men being called to preach, but uh, Dr. Hudson said, I just feel impressed. It may be someone here who's been fighting the call and you'd like to surrender tonight and I think it's 14 that's come weeping and uh, and swam so a lot of things are done in conferences and there's a lot of hurting preachers here this morning uh, there's some preachers wondering what which way I should go and what I ought to do and these conferences help us and Dr. Jack always have these conferences to help people you know if we can't help people then we might as well quit uh Back in 1956, I'm going to share a little of my testimony if I don't preach much this morning. I felt impressed after Brother Malone was talking this morning. But back in 1956, I became pastor of Gospel Light Baptist Church. Let me go back a little further, if you will. I, uh, God had called me to preach. I guess you know as you listen to me, and I'm not an educated preacher. And uh, I got married when I was young, have a wonderful wife, wonderful wife. We've been married 45 years this coming November, and I'm just 62. And uh, my kids are getting old, but I'm not old. Uh, my baby will be 34 in November, and she's been my secretary for 16 years now, I think, 15 years or something like that. Steve's youngest sister. Have a time keeping them. Of course, she keeps Steve straight. I'll grant you there, brother. She can do that. Uh, just a few weeks ago, they kind of got into it a little bit, and I never heard this before. She said, you can go eat dirt as far as I'm concerned, Steve, and he just walked on out of the office. But, but uh, anyway, uh, we got married young, and, and, uh, and God blessed us, and, and uh, I, uh, in fact, I got married when I was 17 years old, and uh, Steve came along 18 months exactly after we were married so I was just a little bit less than 19 years old when Steve was born so he's almost as old as I am he's uh, he's 43 and uh, then God blessed us with a fine little girl 18 months later and uh, she'll soon be 42 and then we have a boy 36 and then the baby is 33 soon be 34 and we have 10 grandchildren 
And uh, the Lord willing, in about four, five, six months, something like that, we'll be great-grandparents. And uh, God has been so good. But let me tell you this. God called me. I like what he said about God calling. Fellas, I believe God still calls preachers. Uh, I don't think he comes to every one of us just alike. Now, I was working. The first job I had was R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company. I never knew tobacco was wrong until Dr. Rice comes preaching. In. He come through our area and preaching about it. Back up in the hills of North Carolina, the old preachers used to get in the prayer room and pray God will help us to make a good crop so we can make it, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the first job I had, I, I worked in the, in the uh, tobacco factory. God spoke to me one day, not in an audible voice, but God called me to preach in that factory. And I fought it. Uh, we had uh, two children, and I said, well, I don't know what to do. And by the way, my church... I was saved in a little church at that time, run about 75 in Sunday school. My pastor's a good man, but uh, he was not an educated man. And in those days, they said in our church, they said there's two kinds of preachers, and that's the God called and the educated. And uh, so nobody ever asked me to go to Bible college. Nobody ever said a word. I knew God had called me, so I guess that was all it took, you know. He just opened your mouth, he feels it. And so anyway... Uh, I went on there and got it, and uh, I, I was Sunday school superintendent and deacon, and I don't know what all in that church, and and uh, I was anointed bits to preach, but I went for a long time before I surrendered, and finally I surrendered, and I'm not going into that, take me an hour, but I was surrendered down an old patch of pines on my face. God almost had to kill me and pressure me. To surrender, and I'm ashamed of that. I'm not. I'm not proud of that. But I surrendered. Uh, at the age of uh, 19, I think, right before I was 20 years old, to preach. And uh, then I stayed right there in my church and just preached where I could. And one Sunday afternoon, one Sunday after we came home from, from uh, uh, church, my telephone rung. It was a little church about 12, 14 miles from me. I had preached there one time. And uh, one of the deacons said, Brother Bobby, we voted on you this morning. Would you be our pastor? Run about 15 people. Now, listen to what he said. Fellas, we do a lot through ignorance. And he said, he said, uh, we been we tried out six preachers, and we put them all up, and you got the most votes. So that's where I got my first church. I got the most votes. And uh, I was, at that time, I changed jobs. I was working with the insurance company as insurance agent. I was thrilled. I went and pastored that church. We had about 15, 20. God blessed it. We had some cottage prayer meetings. Now, you folks don't know what I'm talking about, I don't guess, but that was old, way over in the country, and you could just ask anybody in those days, would you let us come in your house and have a service? And they'd say, yeah. We had a cottage prayer meeting going on Saturday night, and uh, I'd get, we'd get take a bunch of chairs. I remember us having 75 or more in that uh, home, and we'd set a chair out in front of the, make me an altar, you know, and preach and get somebody with an old guitar and sing. And have a service there and get some people saved in homes around like that. And I'd been there exactly 12 months. And I was working my job. They was giving me $15 a week in my little church. And I was doing fine. And then all at once, this little church close to the home, Gospel Light Baptist Church. I remember when it was organized. The pastor, I'd been there a few times uh, to meetings. 
their pastor went into evangelism and recommended me, and the deacons came and said, we want you as our pastor. And I said, well, I appreciate it. I've only been where I'm at a year, and I'm not interested in changing. I'm doing fine, but uh, it took me several months, and God definitely showed me that I was supposed to go to Gospel Light Baptist Church. And so I came there the first Sunday in July 1956. And we had 153 our first Sunday. We had three-fourths of an acre of land, uh, our little block building. We just, just uh, uh, we didn't have pews. We had homemade benches. And uh, little Johnny's out the back, if you know what I'm talking about. And we used to go down to Pond and baptize. I remember baptizing over 100 one in the summertime. We used to wait till summertime, go out and have them old baptismal services, you know, get your stick, go out into the pond and and Brother Jack, wade out and feel yourself, you know, as you go along. And then line your deacons up to help your candidates get out there, you know, in the pond and baptize them. Those were sweet days. Those were sweet days. And uh, so we went on there for some time, and God blessed. I remember the first year I baptized 115 people. And uh, way out there in the boondocks, God just was blessing. Our church grew. We, we re had to relocate. Although we still near the old building, we still use it for school, but we had to go up the road a few hundred feet, bought ten and a half acres of land, and uh, we gave $10,000 for ten and a half acres of land. We had $10,300, and uh, we had a dear old gentleman in the church who had built homes but not churches. His three sons uh, worked with him. And I said, could you and your boys build us a church? You know, we need it. We just don't have room. And, and he said, yeah. I said, but you know, we only got $300, but we had our land paid for. And he said, well, he said, I, uh, I got a little money. He said, I pay my boys for the week, and I can pay them for a few months, and I can wait, and I have a good credit with all the builders. And so he drawed out that auditorium. Brother Jack, you've been in where Steve preaches now at 11 o'clock to our youth. Uh, he drawed out that auditorium on an old brown paper sack, and the deacons and I passed on it and brought it up for the church, and we built that thing. And uh, the man who, the uh, construction company who just finished our new building we're in now, been in it about four years, he looked over that building one day, the, the superintendent of this big construction company, and he said, Reverend, I don't know who done your architect work here, but he sure did do a good job. I said he was an old West Virginia man who moved down here used to teach in my class in my church he's with the lord now he brought out on a paper sack we passed on it you didn't have to run everything through the state at that time built it i said that's it but uh, we built it for 50 uh, 68 thousand dollars was uh, was what we built it for and people began to give so we borrowed fifty thousand on it and i could tell you on and on i'm not going on all of that though but i think that lord's blessed i think Parsonages, houses, and bus garages. I've sat down to think. I think we built 13 times down through the years. And, and just adding a little land. And Lord opened up a little bit here and a little there. And we must have about 40 acres now. And uh, God's been so good. And, and, and what I want to say to you younger preachers. Uh, fellas, I'm still learning. We have to wait on God. We have to wait on God. And God has a right timing for things. And, and God will lead you and God will direct you. But I got a burden for, to have something for young people. Didn't know what to do. And walked in a restaurant five miles from our church one day. A Southern Baptist preacher sat down beside him. He was sitting there eating a hot dog. And he said, Brother Bobby, our association, he knew I was Independent Baptist. He said, our association would like to buy a camp 65 miles from here over in Virginia. 
the state of Virginia, and he began to tell me, he says, it has six cabins, it has a dining hall, has a lake, and so on and so forth, 139 and a half acres, and we can buy it for 75000 but said, our association don't have the money. Are you interested in a camp? You know, when God puts something on your heart, you'll know if it's God because he'll always bring it to pass. And if it's just a, you know, a, one of them storms you have once in a while, then it'll blow over. You know what I'm talking about. But we bought that camp, and we've had it for 23 or 23 years. Lives have been changed in that camp tremendously. We spent a lot of money on it through the years, and God has been so good, so good. But uh, what's this what I want to get to, and I'm going to get to preaching in a few moments. I did not know how to lead a person to Christ personally in their home. When I'm talking about when I became, and we had those cottage prayer meetings and people would come and kneel and, and uh, we'd pray with them, you know, and say, have you trusted the Lord? And, and uh, sometime do you feel like the Lord saved you? That's kind of a bad thing to say to a man. You feel like the Lord, you ought to say you believe the Lord saved you. Well, we had some great days. And I had just became pastor of Gospel Light. And I went over to Sword Conference. And what I want to show you, conference, is God will help, help people through it. And I went over to Sword Conference. I was 24 years old at that time. And uh, 23, and I pastored the other. And I came there, and I was 24 years old. And uh, they're having a Sword Lord Conference. And I went over to hear Dr. Hiles and Dr. Rice preach. And that Sword Conference, about eight miles from my home. And Dr. Rice, I mean, Dr., excuse me, Dr. Hiles said, tomorrow afternoon from 2 o'clock until 4 o'clock, I'm going to teach right here in this auditorium how you can win a soul personally to Christ in their home or place of business. You don't have to be in church to do it. Now, you're not as dumb as I am, but I thought that was a new revelation to me. He said, you bring your pencil and paper tomorrow afternoon. That's before he's ever in the book form. And I said to myself, I'm going to find out what this is about. And I, I went over and listened and watched Dr. Hiles. He knocked on the door and interviewed a person, led him to Christ. I put down all 35 points. And I put down, got me a New Testament, and I put down there in Romans 3.10. I put beside of it 3.2.3 so I know where to go to next, and on down the line. And uh, I got me a deacon, and I said, I believe I've learned something might work. That was on Tuesday, and on Thursday, he and I went out and knocked on doors, and I led a man and his wife to Christ, the first people I'd ever led to the Lord in 1956. But I learned it through that conference. That man went to be of the Lord about six months ago. His wife, I've been their pastor all these years. He served on our deacon board several times. His wife is still in our church, and his children and his grandchildren. They didn't have any children at that time, but they're still there in our church. I learned it through a conference. That's what I'm talking about. And uh, we all need help. I need help, and you need help, and we all need help. And I just want to encourage you to keep these conferences going. And then God burdened me to have the conference. And we've been having a, a bus conference. Uh, 25 years ago, we got into bus ministry. And take me all morning to tell you about that. By the way, you pray. We had our first accident about six weeks ago. A little girl got killed. And uh, you pray for us. We're just praying that nothing awful will come out of it. And the family's been sweet and all and so on. Uh, not on our bus, but a car. One of our, It was our driver's fault on our bus. But uh, we run about 42, 3, 4, 5 buses now all over the country. But uh, anyway, we have the National Bus Conference in February every year. And uh, I've had so many people to write back and say what it's done for them. 
uh, I had a man begin to call me from Connecticut, Dr. Jack, New England States. He said, Brother Robertson, I've been to your bus conference. God stirred my heart. I'm not a preacher. I'm a layman. But I've come back and talked to my preacher. And I've talked to me unless having a conference up here in the New England States. We never had anything like this. He'd call me every few months. He said, are you praying? We're going to have it. And they had one a few months ago, had Dr. Malone and uh, Wally Beebe. And the fella called me and said, I want to tell you, buddy, we had a good, said we had 180 people up here in New England States come and so many preachers and all in, uh, in Rhode Island and Connecticut and all those places and, and uh, said, we're going to have it every year. It's catching on fire here. And I'm supposed to speak next year at the bus conference. So you see what that we can just, it goes on and on. I was speaking in a conference some time ago and gave my testimony of how discouraged and depressed and through this uh, split we had and all set my my deacons walked up one morning and, and said, please read this to the church and read it. And I didn't know this resigned and resigned. My Sunday school superintendent became their pastor and my pianist became their pianist and they just gutted the church and left. And I told that in a conference. I was preaching in Highland Park. And a few years, three or four years later, a uh, man called me and said, I'm so-and-so. I, I said, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I came to that conference. I was going to quit pastor and I was through but another preacher said won't you go with me but he said God used your testimony and I said well if God helped him stick he can help me stick and he said I went down to Charleston and said brother Bobby would you come preach for me I pastor gospel light Baptist church in Charleston South Carolina now and say we're averaging 400 in Sunday school last week Dr. Jack I had a call from uh, a man in West Virginia and uh, he said, Brother Robertson, he said, I'm just a little old country fellow back up here in the hills of West Virginia. He said, my little old church don't run but 50. And he said, I work a job all the time. And, and uh, said, we run about 50. But we was at the sword conference in August. And we come back and bless God, we're going to double our attendance by, by the end of the year, he said. Now, they don't have a lot of folks to draw from back up in there. And he said, last Sunday, we baptized eight people. And boy, eight to him, uh, that'd be 100 to you, you know. And he says, I'm going to bring a whole church down there next year to Sword Conference, you see. So I just want to encourage you. Keep up those things. Just keep up those things. It'll mean so much to you. Well, I've been just battling a message this morning, and I, I, I'm just going to read you. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 5 first. 1 Peter chapter 5. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. And he's talking down to us pastors here. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for the dollar, but not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Notice verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but do what? Being examples to the flock. Oh, how we need to be a good example. And he said, when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not to weigh. Now, over here in 2 Corinthians in chapter uh, number 11, I want you to notice in just a moment, the Apostle Paul, I'm going to read in verse 24. Look at some battles he went through in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. He says of the Jews, five times, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of 
of robbers and perils by my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and among false brethren. Boy, that looks like that's enough to go through, don't it? But look at him in verse number 27. In weariness. You ever get worn, weary, tired, uh, want to quit? Well, Paul said, I got worry and painfulness in watchings often in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then look like Paul, that's enough. But Paul said, no, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Do you notice the need, the responsibility this man feels upon his shoulder? He tells us all the battles he's been through, and you know the scriptures better than I do. And he says, now besides that, I've got the care of all the churches on my shoulder, he said. And uh, so Paul had a burden. Now I want to talk to you this morning on the thought of our responsibility our responsibility. I find it's hard to get people to take responsibility for things today. Uh, they'll say, Brother Bobby, we'll help you any way we can. But now, wait a minute. We don't want to, we don't want to get too involved. They, they don't use that word, but that's what they mean, uh, you know. And I hear preachers all over the country saying, Brother Bobby, how do you get people involved? I can't get this thing going some way, you know. You hear that so much, you see. Uh, we need to realize there is a responsibility. There's a judgment seat of Christ that we must face God one day. We have a bus captain, Red Turner. Red's the same age I am. And uh, he's been a bus captain for probably 20 years. If I'm not mistaken, last Sunday he had 188 on, uh, I guess he's got two buses. But anyway, he's the head of it. Uh, I hope he didn't have them all on one. I uh, but uh, Red is consistently, listen, Red is consistent. He's consistent. Uh, for 20 years, we have bus breakfast at 8.30 on Saturday morning. I always meet my bus workers, eat with them, preach to them, and uh, so on, and 8.30. And then they go out in the highways and hedges and work. Uh, and then at 9 o'clock on, on uh on Saturday night, we just made a policy 30-some years ago that uh, we have men's prayer at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. Oh, we'll have 15 or 20 consistent men. We come and pray for our services on Sunday. And uh, Red will come in about 9, 9.15 or 9.30. He's just coming from his bus route. Hey, he didn't start that yesterday. He's been doing that for 20 years. He's got a country route, folks. He goes about 60 miles one way. He's over there in a, in a route where he sometimes, he'll drive a mile to find a house. Uh, he's got an old country route. Call it Noah Town. No town there, but they call it Noah Town uh, a bus route. 188 last Sunday on it. Red, uh, Red, there was a little child a few months ago that passed away, connected some way with the with that route, and he said they want you to have the funeral preacher, and I went to the funeral home with him to meet the family and talk to him. And he's actually their pastor. They didn't know me. But anyhow, uh, coming back, I said, Red, I said, I never brag on you much. I said, I don't want to build you up, but I want you to know I appreciate you. I said, you're consistent, you're faithful, and I appreciate you. I've seen him come in there on Saturday night, and we have requests for prayer for we pray. And I'd see him weep and weep like a baby and say, there's somebody on my bus route in awful shape. There's a family about to break up. 
and I've got to get them saved, and please pray for me. He has won more people to Christ, not just kids alone. I'm talking about adults, too, than the average Baptist preacher in America. And he's never preached in his life. He's been uh, back yonder years ago before he ever got saved. He's a divorced man and all. But God is using Red. And uh, we were riding along talking. And I said, Red, I want to ask you a question. I said, what keeps you going like you're going? I said, Red, I, I just know I'm depend on you. I said, half of 20 years. I said, I've seen a lot of them go out there and work two hours and three hours and, and four hours, and then first thing they know, an hour, and then they're on the golf course on Saturday afternoon or, or a flea market or a yard sale or something. But I said, you just keep, I said, Red, what is it? And uh, Dr. Jack, he never hesitated. He sat beside of me, he looked over at me, and he said, the judgment seat. The judgment seat. He said, Brother Bobby, I've got to stand before him one day. And I've realized that. And I got my eyes on the judgment seat. And he said, if I could hear him say, well done. And he said, those people's going to hell out there. He said, all they know is to drink and fuss and fume. And I've got to get them saved. Now there's a man that feels a responsibility. And then he looked over at me and he said, you're getting old. And I said, well, you're the same age I am. He said, I know it. And he looked at me and he said, I'll make a deal with you, Pastor. I said, what's that? We was riding along in my car coming from the funeral home. He said, if you will promise God if Jesus don't come back, if you'll promise me and promise God that if he gives you health in 20 years from now, you'll still be pastor at Old Gospel Light Baptist Church at 82, I'll be knocking on doors and running the bus route. Now, I haven't got a lot of bus captains there. You know what? They haven't seemingly got their heart in it. Folks, Paul had his heart in his ministry. There has got to be a compassion and a responsibility. And, uh, brother, if we don't get that, then we can never see the things done God wants to see. I preach somewhere about every week all over North Carolina and West Virginia and Virginia mostly. And most of them are small churches. And I'll be honest, I believe half of the preachers, before I get done, they'll say, Brother Bobby, do you know somewhere that you could recommend me? Seem like things are just not clicking. And I say, no, and they won't click when you get over there either. I said, the grass may look greener on the other side, but you got to mow it when you get over there. So you might as well just stick in there where you're at. Folks, listen, don't misunderstand me. God does move people, but I'm going to tell you, we need some old-fashioned, and I don't know where this is the right word to use, but some old-fashioned stickability. I say this to God be the glory, but Jack Treber, uh, the first uh, years ago when this church was started, uh, I'm sure he thought we don't have enough room and we can't do much here and it's been very easy to take off somewhere else. But he stayed. Larry Brown, pastors in Washington, Iowa, was my first assistant pastor. Larry was with me seven years. I pastor his mother, his, his parents, and his wife's parents. Some of you heard of Larry. Uh, uh, what a preaching man. I, you, you talk about a man God doing something for. He's done it for him. He's, he, he, every once in a while, he writes me and apologizes. And he, and he had his 20th anniversary the other day apologizing because he liked to worry me to death when he was my associate. Old Larry couldn't remember nothing. I'd send him uh, into town to get something. And he'd get to town and call back and want to know what he's supposed to get. <laughs> you know, I wanted to fire him, but he had a good heart. 
And uh, anyway, he's been in Iowa for 20 years. Took a little work out there with 30 people. And it's now it's the largest church out west with seven, 800 in Sunday school. And uh, God's blessed him. And he's one of the best pastors in the world. Uh, because he is has a burden and a responsibility. His folks live in North Carolina. They say, Larry, we wish you'd come home. And Larry said, I can't because somebody has got to stick in these cornfields. And somebody has got to go and brother we need somebody to say bless God I'll be here we've got to accept a responsibility where God has placed us thank you for listening to the classic sermons podcast from preachthebible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara California to listen to many more powerful sermons visit our website preachthebible.org